Hey everyone, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and I am without a co-host today for this quick intro. Jordan, my partner in crime and partner in everything in life, currently has COVID. And I'm just basically sitting here waiting to see if and when I'm going to get it because we are inseparable. And those of you who have been longtime listeners and, and followers on Instagram and the blog, you know that we had COVID in the way beginning of, of this pandemic. Actually, when I was pregnant with Brody, um, Jordan was pretty asymptomatic for a bit, then started to have some other symptoms. He took a test late last night. And needless to say, he slept in the uh, guest suite because we're hoping that I don't that I don't catch this. Brody had it. Ezra and I seem to be in the clear, but stay tuned. You never know what's going to happen. But that is why I am by myself. Jordan, we miss you dearly. By we, I mean me, myself, and I. See, I finally got the we thing down when you're not even here. So this episode, we are interviewing and chatting with one of my very good friends, Ashley LaFond. She is the founder of, of Space and Mind, and I'm pretty sure you know who she is at this point because she is the gem of a human. Her and her team came into our home when we moved into it in December and like revolutionized how we were about to like start living and helped us get totally settled in, helped us put systems and processes in place for our primary bathroom, our bedroom, our kitchen, pantry, our backstock pantry, coat closet, everything. And Ashley was by my side during the design of the kitchen on where to put cabinets where and we dive into all this in, in the episode itself, but I cannot recommend calling Ashley and her team from Of Space and Mind enough. They are absolutely amazing. They are the best in the game. They're in New Jersey and New York. She does travel, so definitely reach out if you're if you're unsure. I'm telling you, like she organizes something, organizes things like I have never seen before. And she's also just turned into a very good friend. So I love being able to support other female-owned businesses, and support some of my good girlfriends. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. You're going to learn a ton about organizing. You're going to want to be Ashley's best friend, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. If you do enjoy this episode, definitely rate and review the podcast and share it on Instagram and tag me and Ashley at Of Space and Mind and me at Rachel Mansfield so we can see when you're listening and let us know what your favorite parts are. But Hopefully, Jordan will be back in a couple of weeks for the next intro and enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk soon. I'm really excited to get started. I hope you're not nervous because you're going to be amazing. Oh um, Thank you. I like that you guys are hiding on the floor in your guest room. I'm sitting in Brody's, <laughs> on Brody's like couch. No wonder you didn't want me to come over. You're like, no, you should probably just join. Is my sound okay? Yeah, it's totally fine. I wasn't exaggerating. We're sitting on the floor in our basement. Whoa. Like if we to do it in our office is above Ezra's room. Like he's about to go take a nap and he's like running around screaming. So I'm like You mean you guys moved to the suburbs and still you're taking podcast calls from right. small rooms in yeah. hiding. Yeah, it's fine. It'll it won't it'll never get better unless we just have a studio. But one day. I'm so excited to bring you on to chat. Mm-hmm. And also I've known you for not that long, but I feel like a long time. Um, and I don't know your professional story, which has been killing me because I know I like to know everything about everyone because I'm like the nosiest Yanta ever. But I can't wait to hear this from day one. So also you're the second, Jordan pointed this out when we were just eating lunch, that you are the second Canadian we're talking to at the podcast within 20 Oh my hours. goodness. Mm-hmm. Who was the first? Sorry, uh, Kiva Dickinson. He's the founder of Selva Ventures, um, oh, nice. which is a VC fund that we're collaborating with. So, is he based in New York? He's based in San Francisco, San Francisco. but he's from Toronto. So, I'm from. In Toronto, everyone's from Toronto. What's the point of even having the rest of the country? I know. Well, there's not that many people everywhere else. <laughs> So let's rewind a bit because I'm going to assume you do not go to college and major in organizing. So where did you go to school? Yeah. So 
I I went to um, the University of Western Ontario, known as Western, and it's in London, Ontario. It was the most, funny enough, the most sort of American type school, like campus, Greek scene, football team, like cheerleaders. And I went there and visited and just knew like that was where I wanted to be. It's also like funny enough, um, a very big party school (laughs) and it lived up to all, but all those expectations. You are the second Canadian to tell us that they went to Western and gave this exact same description. That's so funny. Well, it is also like a really good school, but, um, and funny enough, Jamie, my husband also went to Western. Um, Pardon me? He's from America. No, he's actually from Canada, but we met here. We met in New York. Um, We can get into that. But he, we also went there, but we never overlapped because I took a gap year and traveled. And so he graduated before I started. Oh, my God. Your phantom husband that I still have never met. Um, So what brought you to the States? So I graduated 08 was like the height of obviously the crash. It was a terrible time to be graduating and I had all this energy and I had so much to like offer the world or I felt that way (laughs) and like nobody was hiring and like the world was crashing and burning. Um, And pardon? Oh, philosophy. Cause it was the, it was the only degree that I could fast track and do in three years. And of course, like my inner sense of urgency was like, I had taken a year off and I like couldn't graduate without my peers. Like I needed to graduate quote on time. Um, so I fast tracked and did it in three years. what did you do for your gap year? I traveled, I backpacked through India and Europe at 18, uh, with my boyfriend at the time. As if my parents let me do that. I think about it now. I look at 18-year-olds. They're like children. Wait, but you were allowed to do that? Or did you just say bye? No, like, like my parents were like, okay. And I did it. That's amazing. It was it was wild. And for like eight months too. Wow. Ashley, what a rebel. Spent three months in India. We, I mean, my parents were like totally okay with it. Wait, did you have like a plan going into it? Or you just said, I'm going to go there and see where it takes me? We had a general plan, like certain milestones and like travel itinerary that we had had help building. Um, And so that kind of gave us some guidance. Like we knew the timeline we were going to spend, but um, a lot of, a lot of the decisions between we just kind of, we winged it. And this was like before no one had smartphones or anything. Like I went to internet cafes to like log in, dial up and like send emails. There wasn't even Facebook. Well, I, I always tell crazy. I always tell Rachel. Rachel and I both studied abroad in 2010. And yeah, like we, had, we both had Blackberries, but like they didn't like like you could receive emails. Basically, yeah, like the maps was garbage. And like I remember, like her, I I thought it was like the most amazing thing to like navigate Europe like yeah. without doing any of that. And like I think I grew up so much and like figured so much stuff out. By having that opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, um, it, it created so much of my independence and it really shaped my, you know, even my college experience because I had already done all that. So when I got to university, it wasn't like the first time I was living alone. I'd already spent like a, almost a year by myself in like across the world. So it was a bit of a different experience in that way, for sure. Good yeah. for you. That's so cool. And that's also your parents like let you do that. I know it's shocking. Really. I'm like, what were you thinking? I think that my parents would have let me, but they would have never let my brother do that. Fair. They probably just trusted you like responsible. Like, you know, I had to call every Sunday. I had like a calling card and I would call every Sunday. That's so like, funny. it's not like now where she, they could watch stories and know what you were doing. So for a week I would just be dark. I know. Yeah. That's so true. You like don't know anything. Like my dad, when I was talking to like, so what's going on? He's like, well, I already know what's going on with your whole week. I follow you on Instagram. Like, like a, what? Like, no, like you don't know what's going on. Um, it's almost like people have too much access now. So you moved to the States. Oh yes. Um, so I worked for a startup company in the social media space and I was essentially like chief of staff, executive assistant to the president and the founder. I was employee number 13. 
And um, it was a wild time because Facebook was like just exploding. Like I remember sitting down and like creating a list of brands that may want to advertise on Facebook. Like that was how in, in its infancy it was. And it was incredible because it was this booming industry at a time when there was just so much crashing and burning. Um, and I got incredible exposure to a startup environment really, really early. I was there four years. And in that time, I wore many hats, as you can imagine, in a startup environment. But one day, my boss at the time, he said he was like frustrated for some reason. He couldn't get a hold of me for like, you know, 15 minutes or something and was like, you need to move to New York because he was doing a lot of work in New York at the time. And I literally was like, okay, and walked straight into our COO's office and was like, hire me an immigration lawyer. I'm moving to New York. Was it was that was how it happened. It was so fast. I just knew that I had to ride that wave and wave and take the opportunity. And like seven months later, I was I moved to New York. And how old were you when you moved? Uh, well, it was 2010. I don't know how old I was. I only know the years. <laughs> so like 23, 24, something like that. Yeah, in my early 20s. Did you ever think you'd move out of Canada? No. Experience. I was always open to it, but I, I wasn't like the girl that like dreamt of like moving to New York or LA. Yeah. But I was also like very much knew that, you know, Toronto wasn't it for me. Where was your first apartment? In East Village. Oh, did you yeah. have a roommate? Did you move by in by yourself? I have, I had a roommate. So I got introduced to another girl from Canada who had just also moved for work we were introduced by a mutual friend of ours. I'd actually met her a few times in Toronto and um, was kind of skeptical, like to be, you know, kind of put on a friend date and move in with this girl. I'd had some girl drama in college. I was like not interested in any of that anyways. um, But I knew no one. So I said, okay. And she's now like my best friend. She married Jamie and I, um, she's like my soulmate and we lived together for five years. So it was truly one of the best things that could ever happen. Oh my God, that's beautiful. I know. Um, (laughs) So how long did you work there? And then what, like, when did organizing come? Like, was your apartment when you lived together for five years perfectly organized? So interestingly, it was one of the first times in my life that I started to recognize that organizing was something that was super innate to me because Julia struggled in that way and would always be like, where should this go? Where should this go? And I would tell her and she'd be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I realized in that moment that it didn't come naturally to her, that she it, it wasn't like kind of in her. And it was something that I just had. I don't know why I knew. I just kind of knew. And in all of my roles, I always sort of ended up doing things that were some sort of coordination or organizing, whether it was people, you know, spaces, events, like it was always some sort of organizing. Um, and that's kind of what kind of lit me up. And I, I then I left that startup. I started, I went to a different one. So same thing in the social space. Um, and I realized I went to CES one year and I looked up at all of the women on stage at, you know, 10 years, my senior and realized in that moment, like I didn't, that wasn't who I wanted to be. I didn't want to, I didn't want to look at my life in 10 years and be that, that woman. And once I realized that it was a very quick, like, you know, I I was like, okay, I've got to figure out what it is that I want to do. And after doing a bunch of soul searching, I realized like, the thing that you should be doing is the thing that like comes most naturally to you. Like it shouldn't feel so hard. It should feel easy and it should be something that you want to educate yourself in. Every day in the startup world, I would, you know, in the social world, I'd like read the trade press and read all the news and just be like really bored by it, honestly. And it's like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life talking about media. And once I kind of had that realization, it was pretty quick. And I left and like six months later, started a space in mind. Just. So when you left, did you already have like, clients or were organizing me before you left and didn't know what the heck you were going to do left and had no idea what it's going to do you were so ballsy it was it was pretty ballsy and I probably wouldn't recommend it I would say if you can parallel path it um it's probably makes for an easier landing I did I ended up doing a lot of different sort of like odd jobs for lack of a better word. Like I organized some events on contract. Like I did a bunch of stuff to 
um, kind of keep my days busy as I was trying to figure out what it is that I was going to do and what it was going to look like. Um, because obviously, you know me, I need to keep busy. (laughs) And, but, but once I kind of started and committed, um, like the hardest part was just like finding a name and figuring out the branding and like building the actual like company foundation so that I could launch and feel really good about it. I admire that so much. I think a lot of people like you can relate. I can relate. Like in my first job, I worked in healthcare, um, advertising for healthcare, like pharmaceutical companies, like ulcerative colitis and colonoscopies. And I remember looking at my boss and like her boss and the person above her. So obviously I was like a minion and like, I don't want to do anything that they're doing. Exactly. You had the same thing. Like at your last job, like you didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. So it's like, what are you doing there? And the fact that you took your life and your career into your own hands and was like, bye everybody. I'm going to figure this out is awesome. And a lot of people don't do that. I think as long as you have like the means that you could like have a savings that you could like hold yourself over in the meantime, it's like totally do it. But a lot of people get scared. And now you know more than anything that being your own boss is the coolest thing in the world. And I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I knew I wanted to build something of my own. It's it's what kept me in the industry for so long wasn't the media side of things. It was the startup side. I loved the build. I wasn't that interested in like the maintenance. It was sort of boring to me, but I loved solving those like initial, you know, challenges as young companies. So I knew that that was, I, I would eventually, or I hoped I would eventually start something my own. And I felt like if I was going to give my blood, sweat, and tears, I was working crazy hours. If I was going to do that, I might as well be doing it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I was calling like I had saved and I didn't really know what I was saving for. And it was kind of like in the end that it was there. It was my my landing. I could leave and be like, okay, I can like pay my rent for a good enough amount of time that I can do this. That was like how I felt when I was fired. Like we have a decent savings. Like you have an income at yeah, least, and like you know, unemployment school. So, who was your first client? I did a lot of work for friends, like you know, obviously not paid, but just to get experience. I did, um, and I had a pretty good network. I felt pretty good about that, so it was actually pretty easy. I felt. And then I did work for um, an influencer who's a friend of a friend. So that helped a lot, just like to start to build a little bit of a, a presence, like on Instagram. What, um, year? Pardon? what year did you start doing that? 2018. And, you're mo- and you mostly advertise, like, or how do people find you? Was it through Instagram? All through Instagram. Word of mouth. And word of mouth and referrals. Somebody, you know, like I would talk about it and people would tell other people and clients would tell others. But a lot of it was like inbounds or Instagram, which is crazy because I also didn't invest like a ton there by any means. When when did you start hiring a team? Because now, like when you guys came, so for everyone that has a little bit of background, I'm assuming people already know this at this point because I've like literally, I think, slotted you out to the point where it's <laughs> I like, appreciate that. Like on, on the bed under the other day, I'm like, I opened the bed after Florida to put everything away. And I'm just like, every time I open it, it's just like, I get chills because it was just like, it's so perfectly done. I actually meant to ask you how packing was because all your we separated all of your seasonal clothes. And so I, fi- I realized that, you know, planning for Florida would be a bit of a different experience because you're not going through your whole closet. You're able to sort of like go to one focus spot and then it, putting it away. Hopefully it was super easy too. super easy. And the, um, I, I'm not as good as the color, like the colors, like putting them back like that, but I'm like really trying. Um, but I'll, I'll take the, I'll show you like what a current, like, I think that we've done a really good job maintaining everything. But so Ashley and her team came in like a force, a hurricane tornado in the best way, because like we had boxes everywhere, stuff was everywhere. I think we were like semi like organized, like where we knew where things were. You were truly, I will say, I was thinking about this the other day. You were one of our most organized clients. Oftentimes people will be like, oh yeah, we're going to do all this stuff in advance. And it's, and, and I tell them like, this is a way for it to be a much more efficient process. If you do X, Y, and Z before we get there mm-hmm. and 99% of the time it's not done and that's fine. It just obviously takes us more time, which is 
also fine. But um, yeah. I was really impressed at at how organized you were. And when you said you were going to unbox everything, like and take away the boxes, like Jordan was a machine with his box cutter and his gloves. Oh my God. So much so that Maggie loved his box cutter. Yeah. So much so that we actually stole your box cutter. When we left, and I had to return it like sheepishly a couple days later. <laughs> like, it's okay. Um, so let's. I'd love to have you give an overview on like what you provide for clients mm-hmm. because you were with me when we were in our house with our builder mapping out like the pantry, the cabinets. I don't know if you do that for other clients or if that was just like a benefit of, of, you know, having your cell phone number to call you (laughs) to ask you to do it. But like, what do you offer for people? And also I'm not gonna like, like this was a a big question is like, where do you offer this? Mm -hmm. Like someone is like in Kentucky, which you virtually help someone just kind of like what you do. Yeah, totally. Um, so we will kind of do, Full service, everything from consulting on the way that a design is done. That is obviously ideal. If we're brought in kind of pre-construction or during construction, then we can help inform the way a kitchen is set up. And we're going to be able to create way better flow that way and and catch things that, you know, maybe a designer is going to miss or a client is going to miss because they're thinking about aesthetic and less likely, you know, function. We're very like functional function forward. And um, so that's an ideal scenario. So I can say like, Hey, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Um, So that's kind of full service. We will consult on your designs. We'll help you do all the planning and then we'll manage your move in creating systems in the new space. A lot of what we did for you guys. We will also spot treat certain areas in people's homes if they've been living there for a long time and they're like this is just not working for me whether they want to do a full you know closet build out or they just want to tackle editing and reorganizing a closet so it's a wide range um we do kitchens we do pantries we do move-in services for people you know pre-covid moving wasn't a huge part of our business it's it was you know something that we did but it wasn't you know a, a large portion. And now I would say like 80% of our business is move-ins because with COVID, a lot of people are moving, changing their space, moving to the suburbs, kind of like we did. Um, in terms of where we offer, we historically have been really focused in New York, Brooklyn. We did some Westchester, Connecticut, and Hamptons. Um, but since I moved with my family in December 2020 to Chatham, New Jersey, um, we've expanded to the New Jersey area. So we'll pretty much do anything in New Jersey or in New York. Um, we also do take on travel clients, less so in COVID times, but if there is willingness and budget, we will travel. Um, in terms of virtual services, we do it very infrequently because it takes the right kind of person to actually execute on a plan that's going to like really transform their space. I'm working with a client of North Carolina right now and she's incredible. And like her commitment to it is incredible. And we've had a million Zoom calls and um, she's done an amazing job, just as good as we would do. Um, But most clients are not her. So (laughs) um, we often are like, you know what? It's just just not, we want to make sure that we're able to deliver the transformation that we pride ourselves on. And it's harder to do virtually. That would make sense. And plus, you guys are so hands-on in what you do. Ashley and her team, like, literally came in. They had a game plan. Like, X amount of people were upstairs. People were downstairs. Like, for us, you guys did the laundry room, the linen closet, the primary, primary bedroom and primary bathroom, the kitchen, the pantry, like, our hall closet, the back pantry, the back stock pantry. And, like... Any like you guys would touch anything. Like the only I think the kids' room we still don't have kids' furniture, lol. So like maybe by the time Ezra graduates mm-hmm. college, that'll mm-hmm. not look like a bomb went off. Um, but you don't just like come in and put everything together. Like you guys have such strategy behind how everything works. So, and then you go to the container store or wherever you want to source from and you do all the shopping for us. Mm-hmm. So when you go into a room, like say you go into your client's room. And it's the case, like, where do you begin? So like, what is step, like, I know what it is, but like, like, what do you go and like, what's the first thing that you do? So the first thing we do is take everything out so that we can sort and categorize it and get a sense of what volume 
a client has in each area. That's what we use to space plan. So the next step is to space plan and figure out how is it going to go back for the most efficient use of space and the best flow. So um, when it comes to a kitchen, we want to know like how much serving, how much cookware, how much cutlery, how much, you know, because everybody's going to be a little bit different. Then we look, we evaluate the actual space and we figure out where should things go so that um, you can work really efficiently in your kitchen, that everything's stored really easily. um, And also that it makes sense as you're doing tasks. So take everything out, sort and categorize it, space plan. Then we bring in product. So um, that helps us kind of like utilize the space best and, you know, create containment, which is just a fancy way of, you know, saying like keeping things together to make it easier for you guys to maintain over time. And then once we feel really good about a plan and the product that we are bringing in, then we do a final install. And that's where a lot of the detail work goes. So we can get like 80% of the way pretty quickly, but the last like 20% is, is the detail work. It's the labeling, it's the museum gelling into drawers. It's really the finalizing touches, which gives people that like ah moment when they open a cupboard or drawer. Watching this come to life in four days was just like, yeah, Here. I mean, like usually when you have a team, like there's, I feel like you guys are just so organized, like lack for lack of a better word, like when you like set out on the project that like everyone knew exactly where they were going, what they were doing. And like, it was just like a well-oiled machine. Whereas like a lot of times when you have people going into like a random space, like I would have thought that there would have been like more like figuring it out on the go. But it seemed like everyone like already kind of had that figured out before you even got there. We do a lot of like a lot of it is creative on site. Like, how does this work? But, you know, the benefit of your project, we had two project leads. My New York project lead, Heidi, was with us. So she could really own the upstairs team and we could work really efficiently. So that makes difference. We also have a we go into houses every day. I mean we kind of, we come in as a force and some people are like, find that like, whoa. And we're just make ourselves at home and we touch everything. And it can be very overwhelming for some people, but um, we're like, we do this, like, we're not precious. We do this every day. (laughs) Um, And yeah, we want to have a strong plan. We do a lot of that product planning in advance. So we have a sort of set way, but until we really get into things, we're never going to know we um, what we're dealing with, which is why people always ask us like, oh, how long does it take to do a closet? And we're like, well, whose closet? I mean, how many, how many pairs of shoes do you have? And how do we, ha- what does the space look like? So depending on how creative we need to get, it's going to impact timelines and, and how kind of efficiently we can move. Obviously, because we had consulted with you in the original design, like I already knew where all your long hanging was going to go because we had planned that. We had planned the drawers, you know, we had thought thought about the depths of things. We had built that whole accessory side to expand. So we had we did have a very solid plan. We don't always have that. No, but you definitely, and at this point, you guys are like experts. So you can easily like you you answer questions very quickly when I had them. So it's like you have a lot of expertise that like you guys can go into any room and like know what to do. Um, but something like we've I geek out over organizing like I really try and keeping this like as like perfect as possible but something that like I love that your team offered and that like you did is that you build you leave room for growth so you know that like for us it's very unconventional where we try a lot of foods and like products etc but there has never been a time right like in the last three months now that we've opened a box and I go shit, I have nowhere to store this because like we left room for growth. And that is something that like what you guys offer that is differentiates you, I think from other organizing companies, because you know that like, this is just the current grocery haul. So like you, one day you might buy an extra bag of chips and then you, oh, you get home and then you can't fit it anywhere. So something that you guys did was that you left room for our family to grow, which Mm -hmm. was like amazing. Like I had extra hangers in my closet. We had extra room for toiletries in our bathroom. So it's like, it's manageable. Yeah. No, right? Yeah. Like even like our backstop, like you at least categorized it. So now I can go in there and be like, oh, I have these five items that I need to put away. I know exactly where they go. Whereas mm-hmm. 
I would have probably just shoved all five in the same spot if there wasn't a better system. So. so we really want to take into account everybody's lifestyle when we're creating a system. So, you know, we knew that about you, that you were going to have a lot of incoming. So we had to be really specific and, and create systems that were going to be flexible. So one, one week you're stocking X and the next month you're, you know, you're stocking something else. Um, a big factor in that is is editing. And so, you know, you and I spent time in your pre your apartment before you moved going through and editing things. And, you know, I was calling out like anything that slipped by and got packed in the move. I was like, do we really need this? Because if we're not intentional about what we keep there often there can't like, we're not magicians. We can't just snap our fingers and make room. Um, so if people aren't leaving that 10, 20% for, for growth, then systems break down and they're much harder to maintain over time. So we're always trying to be like really, really, really intentional about what you keep. And you guys were great at that. You pared down, you kept only what you wanted on site in your home. And so it was really easy for us to create space in that way, because we're like, okay, so if they get 10 more of these, like we've already planned for that. Like we know, you know, you had a lot of like kids, big kids on, we gave you two drawers for that because we know you have a lot of that and it's only going to grow if you expand your family. So, you know, we plan for that. What's the question that you ask your clients? Like, if you have a like for let's take this by like closet or even like it's really anything. So say you open someone's closet and you there's too much stuff in there, they need to edit it. What did you say? Like, have you worn this? Would you wear this tomorrow? Like, what's a question that someone can ask themselves to figure out if they should or shouldn't get rid of something? Why am I holding on to this? So often we hold on to things out of fear or shame. So especially around the closet, um, you know, what happens if I need it? What happens if I go to an event and I need that one day or you know, but I spent so much money on it and I never wore it or I'm hoping I can get back into that size one day. So we're actually shaming ourselves into holding on to things. And like, who wants a closet that makes you feel shameful? So it's, it's ultimately like, what am I holding on? Why am I, where's the attachment? And once people identify that they usually can make the right decision where they're like, Oh, you know what? I actually don't need this. And, and probably if I go to another formal event, especially since we locked inside for two years, like I'm going to buy a new dress. I'm not going to go back to this dress I bought in 2015. So like I can let it go and know that I, I made a decision like really intentionally about what I keep so that the things that are in your closet, the things that you look at every day should be the things that make you feel good, not shame or fear or guilt. I love that so much because I know that like, I know I'm a, like a petite figure. I'm not like naive, but like my pants from before Ezra, like just don't fit. Like my, my hip, like I'm just not the same body. And my parents were laughing at this. I was just talking about this in Florida. I was like, cause my white jeans from before having kids don't fit. I might be the same quote size, but they just don't fit comfortably anymore. Yeah. And in my closet in the apartment, I was saving a pile of jeans that I wore pre having kids. And then I remember looking at these like, Rachel, you are never going to fit into these pants again. Like get rid of them. Like I'm looking at them and just reminded me of like, you know, my mid twenties and that's okay. And it's like, bye. Um, for us, we donated a lot of stuff. We actually need to call the donation center to come back and pick up, pick up stuff. But like, what are your favorite ways to, or like resources, like get rid of stuff. If someone has big piles of things that they're editing, Mm -hmm. what do you usually recommend doing with it? So it depends where you live. Um, New Jersey is really easy because you can set up pickups and there's a lot of different organizations we have relationships with where you can get rid of things and know that they're going to really good homes and they even do pickups, which is great. Um, But there's kind of a few avenues. So you can either like donate, toss if they're not in good shape or consign. And we have a lot of consignment partners that we work with. It depends on the type and the volume and you know, the worth of the piece. Um, we do a lot of donations. So that's part of our service. As we edit, we will package everything up and take it to a donation center. A lot of that just depends in New York, like proximity, we'll take it to the closest one just because it's a little bit hard to, to move around. But we do have a few that we like the most. We know that they're going to good homes. Um, if we're talking about like a major haul, we may do like a junk lugging service where they you know, they work with donation partners to ensure that these things um, go to a good home. I care a lot about giving things a second life. And I feel that it, it can also make it a lot easier for people to unattach. 
So we're always trying to get you the most amount of value, whether it's donate or sell. Um, and that usually helps with the, with the process of editing and releasing things in your home. And you guys will handle that, which is like, and we'll handle that. Yeah. Remember that house that you went to right after us where you like went to the Hamptons? Guys, this was the craziest thing ever. Ashley and her team went to a house in the Hamptons and imagine moving into a home and then just stepping into your home and the entire thing is set up and you didn't have to even be present to do it. Like that is a dream of someone's like that. Tell them about that, that client. Like that was freaking awesome. I was really Jordan, that's the goal. That's the dream. <laughs> that's how you know you've made it. Well, it's funny. I mean, they are truly the best client ever, but they, uh, we did that with their last home in, in Brooklyn. Like they have an apartment in Brooklyn we just we moved them in and they got to like show up and everything was put away. And, um, and then we did the same in their Hamptons home and it's, it's great. I mean, it's an ideal scenario for anyone because moving is, can be a pain for people for sure. Digging through and, um, but we love that. Like a new setup in a, in a space is so fun. This was a brand new build. So everything was brand new. And that was like really, really special. Yeah. And you had full control over like what to do and like how to make make it happen for them. Now, when you first started, you definitely, I'm assuming, specialized in like small spaces. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to making, there was a lot of questions that came in about like maximizing space in an apartment. Like what do you do if you don't have a pantry, but you love food? Like yeah. I turn a coat closet into it. Like, would you have tips on like how to store things? Like, like take the pantry stuff, for example. Yeah. I mean, the first three years of our business, we were almost solely focused on small spaces, no matter what, even your apartment was considered large for, oh, wow. you know, for New York standards, but still you have to get creative about how you use space because you know, no matter what, you're not going to have a pantry, you know, very unlikely you're going to have a pantry in a New York space. Um, so it's really just about prioritizing, getting creative about space and prioritizing. So getting creative about space, it's using any available space, whether it's wall space, the backs of doors, vertical space, meaning going right to the ceiling, floor space, you know, using systems that, that allow you to use space right down to the ground. It's really just about maximizing any available space. And that's often what we did for clients. So we did a lot of seasonal swapping where we would put away one season's clothes so that the things in your closet are just the things that you're reaching for on a day-to-day basis. Same with in your pantry. Maybe you're using a, like a double open cabinet for food. You know, we would, um, you know, really pare down, make sure you're only keeping the stuff in that pantry that you're dealing, you're wanting to access every single day and then putting the rest, which we call backstock somewhere else. Even in your pantry, we created you a backstock area. You don't need like seven things of pasta sauce. You only need one. Also on that note, we're generally, one of our recommendations is like, don't buy in bulk. If you live in Manhattan, like, you can have anything delivered from the bodega, like in 20 minutes. So like, you don't need like seven, like don't go to Costco and buy a paper towel. Just don't do it. Like, you just, and when I lived in New York, I spent more money buying things that were smaller because I didn't want to have to store them. And it's, it's always, again, a prioritizing, like, would I rather have paper towel always and never run out? Or would I rather have that space back for something that I actually need to use on a daily basis. So it's about prioritizing what you want to use the space for. And then, you know, like I said, little hacks around optimizing every square inch. I love that some people ask about like a dorm room. And then I had this crazy idea that you should like go through and help kids organize kids or grandparents <laughs> organize their dorm room. So I was like, I live in a room. Like, what, how do I best organize that? Have you ever helped someone with like a, quintessential like freshman sophomore year like dorm room I have never done a dorm room so if anyone's listening and wants me to do their dorm room I would love to do it it's actually in those small spaces that a lot of the idea of space in mind was born for me where people would come into my dorm room and be like oh my gosh I can't believe how you optimize the space back in college and again it never really like clicked for me or you know my second New York apartment which was also in the East Village was a studio and people will come over and say like, I can't believe what you've done with this space. It's so incredible. We built like a, uh, what I'm not going to get into the details, but. No, get into uh, the details. What did you do? It's what people want to know. So one of the things that we did was we floated the bed. It was a studio. So we floated the bed and then built 
a headboard that went like a foot from the ceiling so that we essentially created a, a dividing wall and that allowed us to create like separation and have two rooms and this way we could butt up a piece of furniture to the wall which was a dresser so we had more storage for clothing and we built out in there was one closet in the whole apartment so we built it out all with the alpha container store system which is all modular so we built out so every single to the ceiling was optimized backs of the doors had hooks for hats like every single inch of that space was was utilized um and the bathroom like you like you couldn't even like turn around in it like it was so small but one of the best hacks i always tell people in small spaces is to add a medicine cabinet to any bathroom if there, if you have an open wall you can buy a medicine cabinet on ikea wafer amazon and that will like double your amount of storage and it's perfect for for especially women like you know um hair product and your toothbrush like things that maybe don't do as well in a drawer um especially if you don't have drawers a lot of these new york bathrooms have like pedestal sinks with no storage so we added one of those it really just came down to like utilizing literally every square inch of space that there that there was do you have like video footage or photos from this space you'd have to go back and you look find those and share them because like that sounds wild and I bet you that would like I, I need to see that I think I followed what you said but in my head I'm really just fantasizing all this so like I I'll need have to look because like I think that's a lot of like my fault like my community is definitely I would say it's a strong mix of like families and then mm-hmm. also young you know Mm-hmm. Single independent women that probably like live in a small space and don't know what to do with then apparently a lot of college people too. So to be able to like go and see that, cause like I'm showcasing a house. So I want people to be able to see that you can live in an apartment, but completely maximize the space and just like make it work. I remember we used to split paper towels with my brother when we lived in Hoboken because we couldn't fit the Costco size towels in there either. And like the price point's great, whatever. So like if you have friends, like go in on stuff if you want to go to Costco together and like split it. But you can't store anything in an apartment. Like when you run out, you run out and that's it. I mean, our freezer was like an underwear drawer. It was like nothing, <laughs> like literally nothing. Um, with cups. Same amount of food. Yeah. Yeah. Most people should, most people should not have as and much food as we had in our apartment. We have a lot of breast milk. It's <laughs> almost gone. So I'm almost, I know, almost I getting a, a freezer. How food. excited are you to get your freezer back? I'm very excited. You're mourning it. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm back to being the queen of the itty bitty titty committee. Like I, <laughs> nothing, nothing's there. Um, but we'll, we'll trade spaces, you know, now if someone goes to a Costco and they come back and they have like bulk size things. So for us, for example, we had like the quinoa and then they, we come home, we decant it, but then there's still some left in the bag. What do you recommend? Like, where do you recommend storing these things? Like the leftovers? So we call that backstock, which is anything that is extra or duplicative. Um, so it can be both like a leftover spice that doesn't fit into a canister or leftover quinoa in a bag. It can also be a du- duplicate. You buy two sauces and you put one in backstock and one out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we recommend a basket or a bin usually in your highest space. So the space that you aren't able to reach. So you want to basically prioritize anything that's in eye or reachability for the day to day. And then everything high would be your backstock stuff that you're not reaching for. And maybe you have to get onto a stool to get to it, but because it's, you know, it's going to maybe weeks, if not months that you um, refill that quinoa, it's not a big deal for you to hop onto a stool, pull the basket down, refill it and off you go. So when it comes to decanting, mm-hmm. so we had to do it the other day with the, our oat flour. Mm-hmm. Do you make, do you let it go all the way down to zero before you decant or do you like, or, or do you like refill it or do you do like halfway and then refill it? It's a good question. So it depends on the item because you don't want to leave things in the bottom that is going to be there for a really long time. Obviously that's like we talk about expiry dates, like that's going to be your oldest product. So if anything, you kind of want to dump that out, put the oat flour back in and dump the the one that was remaining on top. 
for you guys, because you're going through so much of the same stuff, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're not, you're not holding on to anything for long enough that I would probably just refill it as I go. Um, as soon as it's like, I mean, of course my, like my pantry at home, like as soon as there's like space, I'm like refilling it. (laughs) Well, now I'm like so cognizant of the look of our pantry with all the jars. So like I'll do the oatmeal for like two days and there's like oatmeal gone. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go. You gotta fill You know, I like to like let it go all the way to empty, but like last week we were filling the oat flour and he's like, no, we have to take the old stuff out and then like put it back. And I'm like, no, I fly through oat flour. Like I change my underwear. Like we'll be fine. Um, you but wear I, underwear, I thought. I don't oh, wear. I was going to say that. I, you know what? And I was going to say that after I said that. And I'm like, that's a bad example, but I don't think anyone knows that I don't wear underwear. Um, well, now everybody knows. I can't it. wear we underwear. talked about it on Instagram the other day. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I just think I'm talking to my mom and I forget. But like, I literally can't wear underwear. I, would, I you told I your just... brother the other day too. Mm-hmm. I think a big thing is to, you know, it depends on your. Oh yeah, that's Harvey. I was wondering if you guys could hear him snoring before because he was right on my feet. Oh no, I would have told you. Look at him. He's ready to be another big brother. Big brother to someone else. He's so cute. Sorry. So what were you going to say? Uh, I don't know. All I can think about is like my pregnancy brain. It's like, cute <gasps> dog. That's all I can think about. Um, oh, refilling. Yeah. To create more efficiency, definitely. It's not something you need to be doing every time you utilize a product. Like that would be silly. Usually what I do, like, I do a lot of ordering online, like you do through Thrive and yeah. places like that. When they come on like a Sunday or, you know, I'll do like one refill of everything because we stock a lot of the same things, you know, certain cereals and things. So I'll just immediately dump it because packaging is so bulky that I want to get rid of the packaging as soon as I can. So I'll often like top up things. Um, and, And I also sometimes like use the same canisters for the same type of product, but slightly different. Then I'll wait till I guess at the end. So we always stock a few different kinds of crackers. But I'm not going to mix the brands, but as um, but you know, I'll just use the same canister for a different type of cracker. What are some of like your biggest pet peeves? Like you walk into someone's home, like I know you have something. Like you walk into like a friend's home and you're like, oh my god, I can't. Like you, like you don't like judge them, but you're like, I can't believe they're storing something like that. Like, what's something that drives you crazy when you go to someone's house? Um. I'm like you. I really think it's strange that people wear their shoes in the house. Like, I think it's so gross. That is a pet peeve of mine. Like, I don't even feel comfortable like stepping on somebody's carpet with my like. They're like, oh no, keep your shoes on with a sneaker. Like, I just, I like shudder inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big one. Um, I definitely like people ask me all the time. You know, are you always like calculating or looking? And I, I'm like, I don't, I don't come at it from a place of judgment because you know, that's, that's not the purpose of what we're doing. This is not about judging people in the state of their homes. Yeah. We, I really truly want to help people on like a one-to-one. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I think shoes inside is a big one. Uh, Like clutter out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm big on minimalism in my own house. So like I, I, and I know that no matter what people think you function better with less in your line of sight, clear desk, clear mind kind of thing. So um, that's a big one for me is like clearing things off counters and clearing clutter that's built up. Um, all those little loose ends are drawing energy from you, whether you recognize it or not. No, it definitely does. Remember when Andrew came over or Frank? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he was like, this is great. There's like nothing out. So, mm-hmm. And then he goes to my best friend, his wife, he goes, See, this is how we have to live. Like, you won't live like this. Like, this is like my roommate from college who never unpacked from spring break. And then we were like graduating. She still had her suitcase filled with clothes in there. Well, it's like, well, your, when your uncle came over, he's like, Is your house always this clean? And we're like, Yeah, like, there's no yeah. But it's easy to do. That's a lot of the reason why we do what we do because, you know, once everything has a home, it's actually a lot more efficient for you to put things away. So, you know, what we're trying to get away from is decision fatigue. We have so much of it, especially as a mom, 
Um, there's, you're making constant decisions every day. And if that has to translate to your home and you're the only like arbiter of where things are or go back, it's exhausting. So by everything, like spending the time to create a home for things, and it makes like putting away laundry really easy. It makes unpacking really easy. You knew exactly where those things were supposed to go. You weren't having to decide in that moment. And that is like, you know, that along with like, trying to find spending wasting time trying to find things is like the kind of the impact of like that's why we do what we do because it can help you be like oh I know where this goes I need a pen I know exactly I go to the junk drawer I need my measuring tape I need my exacto knife if someone hasn't stolen it from you like you know exactly where it is and then you use it and you put it back you don't even have to think like where should this go you just use it and put it back that actually brings me to my next question, which is like, what do you do for things that don't have a place? Like, I love that you guys believe in junk drawers. So like, if someone just like random piles, so like, what do you, like, what do you do if like, you, I'm holding this thing? I'm like, I don't know where to put it. We create a space for it. If it's anything that you're ha- you're keeping on a regular basis, then we would create a space for it. If you're like, you know what? Mail piles up. We don't have a spot for it. Okay. Then we have to find a spot for it. And then we designate it. And then that's where that thing goes. Like, it's and a junk drawer is really just like a utility drawer. It's not about junk. It's about there being one spot for all the things that you reach for on a regular basis. I'm sorry, I keep calling it a shit drawer because it's I, just like a random shit drawer. I, I think our junk drawer is the best though because it has all those small little containers in there, and like it like perfectly fits like our credit card and or like it perfectly fits like car the, keys or yeah everything is like. Even though it's like a junk, like quote unquote junk drawer, like everything in there actually does have a space and a purpose. And it's like, it's made me not lose my keys and my wallet. <laughs> I was like prone to do in our apartment. Well, that's why we created you a little drop zone in your closet as well, because I know that that was something that Rachel struggled with was like <laughs> Jordan's stuff ends up on the counter. We see that a ton. So let's create you a drop zone, whether it's a console, whether it's in your closet whether it's in your kitchen where things go so that you actually aren't just throwing them anywhere and then not being able to find them as you leave the house. It's like, it's always going in one place. That's what I mean about decision fatigue, like remove that having to make that decision. It just goes there every time. What do you recommend for people who are on a budget, but like they want to organize, like what do you have any tips when it comes to doing this on a budget? Mm-hmm. So containment is really important and product can be expensive, not individually, but as you get to a place of volume, but there's a lot of hacks that you can do. You can repurpose containers that you already have. You could use things like, you know, shoe boxes that come or boxes that, you know, you already have. You can go to the dollar store and find a lot of great solutions there. Um, Amazon is a great option for a lot of things. And it's the biggest budget suck is that people tend to not plan in advance buy product that doesn't fit into their space and then that doesn't work the way that they want it to so spend the time being really intentional but we don't just like go to the container store and buy a bunch of stuff because chances are it's not going to work the way that you want it to or it's not going to fit so spend a little bit of time planning figuring out exactly what you need um and that way you won't waste money and budget on things that aren't going to actually solve the challenge that you're, that you're looking to fix. So say someone wants to hire you and they can only afford like, you know, exit like one room or something like Mm -hmm. what did you think is like the best investment or like the room that is like the best, yeah, best bang for your buck. Like obviously in my opinion, if you have the means and can do from like start to finish, that's like, the goal, because I cannot tell you how much easier this made my entire like daily living situation. But what is like the room that you think like everyone should utilize someone like you for? Well, really just you because. So we always tell, we work in phases often for people where we want to, you know, somebody wants us to tackle one area we start there and then they are like, Oh my gosh, this is so transformative. We have, we need you to work. We need you to do X, Y, and Z. Um, but there's no one room that's going to impact everyone because everybody's lifestyle is a little bit different for families. Often it's the kitchen because it's the center of their home. Obviously for anyone like you, who's a, you know, who cooks a lot, like the kitchen is going to make the biggest amount of impact. 
But what we tell people is choose the area of your home that's either causing you the most anxiety on a day-to-day basis or that you spend the most amount of time with. Some people, it's like, it's my closet. Every day I try to get dressed and every day I'm stressed out about it. Or maybe it's their kid's room because they're trying to get them, you know, or it's their mud room. It's their garage, whatever it is. People, it's always different for individuals, but usually, um, you know, we tell people just pick the area that that has the most amount of impact on your day to day life. We'll start there. Once you feel that change, you know, we can we'll often move on to other places in their home. Yeah, I love that. What is your favorite thing that Ashley interviewed? Um. I think, I think the just like the actual whole kitchen layout mm-hmm. has like made like especially in the mornings because I make the kids breakfast in the morning. I make my breakfast in the morning. I make a smoothie in the morning. I make coffee in the like I have like this whole like hour and a half routine. Mm-hmm. And then like just having the ability to like know where everything is. Like when I when we first moved into the apartment, I used to go back and forth to the pantry like six or seven times. And now I've been able to figure it out to do it in like one trip. Like I go in, get all everything that I need. And then I leave with everything that I need for the kitchen. Then I'll go back and put it away. So like, like that whole just decision fatigue, like I used to get so stressed out in our apartment because there used to just be shit like tucked away everywhere. And like, now I can like, like efficiently like do that whole freaking circus in the morning. Right. And not be thinking about it. So we spent a lot of time thinking about like, you know, what's your morning routine, you know, Jordan, okay. He makes smoothies and what does he put in them? But then he also makes coffee. Like where, where's all of that going to happen? That's what we mean by creating slow and like zoning things so that you can create, you know, you can do breakfast and while Rachel's pumping or working and that you guys aren't like tripping over one another. Right. So we ask a lot of questions about lifestyle because we want to get into your into your day-to-day and then create a flow that's going to make things most efficient and yeah, allow you to go to one, hopefully one place to do something, put it away and be done. Like we, you know, we plan for your knives and your cutting boards to be in that one zone in your kitchen, because when you meal prep, you know, when you food prep, we're like, you're going to stand here. So we want you to not have to go to three places to grab all the things that you need. Before we go into firewall questions, um, do you have anything else that you want to share? You're like anything I didn't ask you that you want to talk about? No, I think we covered it all. Because sometimes I like, since you're like a friend, and I just want to make sure I like, this is why I didn't want to know how you got to where you were because it's so sometimes like hard to interview someone that like, you know, well, you know or like, answers. you know what I mean? Like, no, mm-hmm. it's like, I forget like then to like, uh, whatever. So. And we didn't talk about my move to the suburbs, but I feel like we have a similar type story and it's been a tough transition for us both, but we both like don't want to admit that it's pretty great. It's cool. Someone asked me today, they're like, so do you like the suburbs? I'm like, if I'm answering this selfishly, no. But if I'm answering it as a mom, yes. yes. As a mom. Exactly. Yeah. I finally feel like I'm sure similar to you, like you're in, you're in a good, you have a good routine. Like you have your nail people, you have like, do you, you go to Courtney too for your eyebrows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to talk to you about that. Tinted. I know they look great and laminated too. Yeah. Tinted and laminated. I'm really afraid of the microblade. No, it's great. Mm, I'm like scared, but I'll talk to you about that at another, another time. Courtney's coming on the podcast. She's awesome. I asked, I was like, can you just teach everybody everything? Because I don't know anything. Um, okay, fireball questions. Ask your favorite one. Do you do your own food shopping? Yes. Uh, I said she picks out her honey crisp apples. Yeah, I just ate one before the call and thought of you. You too. I, I am too. Food shopping is a full-time job. I mean, I feel like I spend a very, very long amount of time shopping and I order almost everything online. Me too. I'll outsource anything besides food shopping. Well, that's why I asked because it's such a time suck. Well, he read it. Oh, wait, was the question like, do I own it in my household or do I actually go to the store? You go to the store. Yeah. Like, are you physically oh, no. going food shopping, picking out your apples? I have a hot hybrid. I kind of like I do. Um, I have different places that I like to get certain things, but most of my shopping is online. 
Wait, for food too? Yeah. You don't do your own food shopping. No, like, sorry, I thought you meant like, do I own it in my household? Oh, uh, like, oh like, no, I am Thrive, Butcher Box, um, Fresh Direct, Territory Foods, like delivery all the way, of course, because it's far more efficient. But you go sometimes to Whole Foods and pick stuff. And I will go to Trader Joe's on, like, I will go once a month to Trader Joe's and do like a massive haul. Once a month. It's not very close to me. If it was close, I would go a lot more often. You want the one by me? Um, I can go to Milburn or Florham Park. Florham Park's a little bit like it's a bit of a bigger store, so I'll go there. The one here. Um, but like, who has time to go grocery? I, I don't understand how you spend so much time in the grocery store. Since living here, we don't. We go one to two times a week. So I, the reason why I asked the question yeah. now is I, re- I got this like newsletter article sent to me, and it was basically saying like. Was talking about this like CEO who like makes like crazy amount of money and he like still does his own food shopping. And the guy was like, why would you spend your time like driving to the store and picking out all the stuff, unpacking it? Like he's like, your time is more valuable than the than like the act of going. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like very curious if people do their own food shopping. I do find it to be very inefficient. And also like with pregnant, I'm like, I, I can't like carry all the stuff that I'd want to carry. And that's a big factor. And like the lines are long and I'm sitting there being like, I could be doing so many other things. So instead I always have like three carts going at different stores, depending on what I'm buying. And, um, I do that while I watch TV at night. Yeah. That makes sense for like us. It's just such like a, like a part of my job. I'm like, I have FOMO if I'm not at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, thinking of new things to freaking make every day yes i will say that it's not i know this is not fast but i will say that you i don't get the same like inspiration i used to go to the store and be like oh broccoli rob's on sale so like i'll buy that and then i'll make that now it's kind of like i do end up just kind of buying the same basics that's how i cook next one what is one thing you do outsource as well that makes your life easier the number one thing is a cleaning service. I will recommend that to absolutely anyone, particularly a working mom or any working woman. There's so many other things you could be doing with your time, like reading a book. Yeah. Doing literally anything else. That is, if you have space in your budget, that is the number one thing that I think people should outsource. Yeah. I said to my parents, like, I think it was a few weeks ago. And I think that they like, my mom didn't work. So they definitely like judge. And this is not going to be viral either. Um, judge me a little bit. Cause I'm like, I kind of want someone every week to come to help or have our nanny do it because like the amount of time it takes to do it is it's not the best use of my time. Like no. even if it's to play with my children, as opposed to working, like that's a better use of my time. That's my view. And it's about like, using your time for what you value. And if for me, I really value a clean home. Like it makes me feel good. And I'm like, I don't want to spend that time on a Saturday having to do that. I would rather do anything else. As Ezra would say, it makes him feel real good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I need an apple to make me feel good. Okay. What TV or what TV show are you watching right now? Euphoria. Oh, we have to watch. Oh, and Pam and Tommy. Oh, that's good, right? Oh, good. Yeah. We might have an episode. We'll watch it with my parents tonight. So good. We're watching it. It's kind of a weird show to watch with my parents, but whatever. Um, what are your go-to podcasts? I listen to The Daily every day. I love The Goop podcast. And um, everything else, I'm like a little bit like I hop around, just depending on what I'm interested in in the moment. Yeah, sometimes I'll Google like look up topics. Uh, mm-hmm, like, it, it, and I don't, I don't commute the same way I used to, so yeah. I, I'm listening to a lot less podcasts. But those are the ones I listen to like every day, and I listen to a lot of NPR. I'm like gonna, just the news. I'm gonna do an add-on to the podcast and say, where do you listen to podcasts, or when do you listen to podcasts? I listen to NPR when I'm getting ready in the morning, like on my phone, just as I'm like whatever, and. Um, and and then I listen to the rest in the car. But again, I'm doing a lot less like dr- like long haul driving than I was before. But I'll I'll do it also as I'm cooking. I'll listen. But Jamie can't stand podcasts. So he can't stand like the sound of it in the background. So I, I can only do it when I'm alone. 
I gotta meet him. Does he even know, know who I am? Come over. Does he know who I am? Y- yes, of course he knows who I you are. It's like a phantom. I don't know him. Um, uh, what do you splurge on? Probably like beauty. And like get I like I need to get my nails done every two weeks. It's just a thing that I do. It makes me feel good. And I work with my hands. Um, and I think as part of that category, I also my lashes. So beauty in general, those are two things that I spend more money than I should on, but they make me feel good. And that's what's important. You and Rachel are way too alike. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I saw Ashley and I was like, I need my lashes again. And that's why I have them. Um, cause I'm like an addict. It's your last day on earth. What are you eating from breakfast through the end of the day? So I'm on a really big, like sweet breakfast kick right now. It's like a pregnancy thing for me. So it'd probably be like pancakes or like cinnamon, a cinnamon bun or some sort of like pastry, which is totally not me. I was gluten-free for years pre-pregnancy. And for lunch, I'm not really like a big lunch person. Like I would. It's your last day on earth. What's your favorite? Well, I mean, I'm Italian pasta, but like I would be eating it then for like both meals. Maybe I would have like a full Italian lunch. Oh, no, I would have French fries. I'm really like, it's one of my favorite foods to French fry. What kind of fries? Like what cut? Um, I like a crinkle cut. I like obviously like a McDonald's fry. I, I like all fries. Like I don't discriminate. If they're good fries, I like them. Like lately I've been going, when I go to the container store, I've been going to Shake Shack and eating like wow. French fries and it's so good. Um, like a Diet Coke and French fries. Like there's literally nothing in the world better than that. Wow. Um, and then for dinner, it would be some sort of pasta. Um, probably like, like maybe like an Arabiata, like spicy with meatballs um, or a cacio e pepe. And, um, a tiramisu for dessert. Interesting. This is my They used to be my favorite dessert, tiramisu. Oh, it's so good. I don't know why. It's just so good. And I only let, usually like chocolate for dessert, but tiramisu like really just gets me. That's when it tastes like coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. So of course you wouldn't like that. But I used to eat it as like a kid. I remember going to like all the Italian restaurants on that island and getting tiramisu. Mm. So good. You know, Whole Foods actually has a pretty good tiramisu. Oh no, actually you're gluten-free. There is a gluten-free bakery in Sterling that does a tiramisu. Jamie got it for me for my birthday last year and it was delicious. Wait, where's Sterling? Um, I don't know, like 15 minutes from here. So probably somewhere, like it's somewhere, you know, <laughs> I'm like that with direction. Never asked me to go anywhere, how to get to anywhere. You won't ever get there. <laughs> I mean, I went to the container store with you. So you, at least you got me out of my house that time i can't find australia i'm spelling it wrong um ashley this is the least rapid fire questions ever because we have so much to talk about it's fine i know there's like probably other things i want to talk to you about but you're amazing thank you so much tell everyone where to find you um you can follow us on at of space and mind or on our website of space mind.com amazing thanks everyone for listening great to see you guys